Go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. So if you look in the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you have the book of Acts. So go to the book of Acts. That's where we're going to begin a new series today. And I want to tell you what I told you last week, and I'm going to continue to tell you this. If God is stirring in your heart, if He's moving in your heart, um, the altar is not just confound, uh, confined to this space up here. It's anywhere you bend your knee. It's anywhere you bend your heart. And if at any time you feel like you need to be prayed for, prayed with, prayed over, uh, grab someone and say, hey, can you come pray with me? There's a classroom right outside of this door. There's a classroom right outside of this door. There's a, there's a foyer right there. Or if you want to, while I'm preaching the Word of God, you can come right down here. I promise you, you will not distract me, and you won't distract anyone. Uh, I don't want you to think that, that uh, God wants you to wait. When God is speaking and God is stirring, you do what He's called you to do. Uh, I love this place. I love you. I love what God is doing. Uh, back in January, God challenged me, and uh, I let that challenge flow through me. God challenged us with a series of messages called Set Your Mind. God's Word challenges us. It calls us to set our minds on heavenly things, things above, not on things of the flesh, not on things of this world. God also challenged us in the past few weeks through the book of Ruth. God showed us some truths in the book of Ruth, first and foremost, that He is sovereign. God is sovereign. He can do what He wants, when He wants, where He wants, how He wants, with whomever He wants. And how dare me to think less, right? God can save anyone at any time. And God can use any person at any time, any way He wants. And who am I to think less of that or call someone out? My job is to praise God where I'm at. And praise God what He's doing. How He wants, when He wants, where He wants, and with whomever He wants. In the book of Ruth, we found that God is sovereign, but we also found that God is Redeemer. Amen? Thank God for His redeeming love. And His redeeming love leads us to Jesus. Jesus is God's demonstration of love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know what we make the mistake of doing so many times? We want people to get cleaned up to come to church. How dare we? How dare we? Because I'm going to tell you, I didn't come to church clean. Let me tell you how I came to church. I came to church broken. I came to church a sinner, and I found a Savior because a Savior found me. And so I don't want to ever look upon someone with condemnation and think, oh, uh, we can't do this for you, and we can't do that for you because you've done this and you've done that. Oh, no, listen, Jesus loves you. And because Jesus loves you, I love you. And I want to show you the truth about Jesus Christ and His Word. Man, if, we'd have, if we had a mindset like that, <laughs> revival would take place. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sensing the flames and the fires of revival. I'm sensing it. I'm feeling it. I'm thanking God for stirring my heart, right? Stirring me. And I pray that God is doing that to you and for you today. Not only did God challenge us with that series of messages that set your mind, not only did God challenge us in the book of Ruth, I believe God's going to challenge us in the book of Acts. Woo! What God did in the book of Acts is amazing. Or my word, God-mazing. <laughs> what God did in the book of Acts is God-mazing. And here's what I want you to know. God ain't done. 
What God did in the Old Testament, God did in the New Testament. And what God did in the New Testament, God's still doing today. It's because of the Holy Spirit stirring in us that we can do anything. And I believe that's what we see in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, the book of Acts shows us some incredible truths. Number one, that Jesus really lived. That Jesus really died. And that Jesus really rose from the grave. And he really appeared to many witnesses. That's what the book of Acts shows us. Jesus really lived. He really died. He really rose. And he came back and showed himself to many, many witnesses. That's what the book of Acts is all about. Henry Halley tells us in his commentary that Jesus appeared at least ten times over a 40-day period between his resurrection from the grave and his ascension into heaven. Ten times. Over 40 days, Jesus showed himself. The book of Acts shows us the words and the works of Jesus Christ and how his ministry continues through his church. That's what the book of Acts shows us. Listen, we're going to hear some incredible, incredible details about Paul. We're going to hear some incredible details about a guy named Peter. We're going to hear some incredible details about a church, right, that just embraced who they were in Christ and then went out and lived it in their communities. But make no mistake about it, the book of Acts is all about Jesus Christ. No, Okay, one amen. Thank you. The book of Acts is not about Paul. It's not about Peter. It's about Jesus in Paul. It's about Jesus in Peter, and it's about Jesus in his church. And we won't have time to get full of ourselves and pat ourselves on the back and want a plaque with our name on it if we all in Jesus and Jesus is all in us. That's why John said, greater is he, right, who is in me than he who is in the world. That's why John said, less of me and more of you. Talking about Christ, because he embraced that. And he experienced that. And I believe that's what we see in the book of Acts. Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, makes sure that we know in both his gospel and in the book of Acts that Jesus is alive. Amen? We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior who is alive. And that's what makes all the difference. That's what makes all the difference. Though he ascends into heaven. His words and his works continue through the power of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts. You might say, well, is that about all those things they did? Yes. But the word Acts that we see in our Bible, it's actually a Greek word. And that Greek word is praxis, which was often used to describe great achievement. So think about that. The book of Acts in the Greek language, means great achievement. But again, let's not just pat Paul on the back for great achievements. Let's not just pat Peter on the back for great achievements. Let's not just pat the church on the back for great achievements because without the Holy Spirit of God, this book of the Bible wouldn't even be there. It wouldn't be there. Without the Holy Spirit of God, there are no great achievements. There are no great acts. They don't stand the test of time, the only acts, the only great achievements that are timeless are the ones through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. 
And that's what we're going to see in the book of Acts. So let's jump in quickly. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says, In my former book, Theophilus, he's talking about his gospel, the gospel of Luke. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that Jesus, right? All that that Jesus began to do and teach. Who is his primary target in this book? Jesus. He's writing to Theophilus, the same Theophilus he wrote to when he wrote his gospel. Theophilus, by many theologians, they believe he was a very wealthy Roman individual. Someone who, in fact, financed Luke's writings. Because Luke was originally a doctor, but then he became a researcher and a writer. And so Theophilus, he, he, was, he was the financier, is what many theologians tell us, so that Luke could do what he did. And look at his focus. His focus is on Jesus. I wrote, all of, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was, what's the word? Alive. That's what Luke is trying to say. What I'm going to tell you in this book It's all about Jesus, and it's all about Jesus, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do, because he is alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and what did he speak about? The kingdom of God. Listen to me. He didn't talk politics. He didn't talk hobbies. He didn't talk about this thing and that thing. The Bible says he spoke to them over a 40-day period about the kingdom of God. We need to hear that because we all about our opinions and we all about what's going on around us. And listen, I'm not saying we should be blind to that, but if we talk more about politics than we do Jesus, we need to be in the altar. If we talk more about us and less about Jesus, we, we need to bow our heart and our knee before God and say, whose kingdom am I building? Whose kingdom am I building? See, what we find out in this passage, very first three verses, is that Luke was a witness of the previous words and works of Jesus. He said in my first letter, I wrote to you about what Jesus began. See, in his gospel, Luke wrote about the things Jesus said about the things Jesus did when he walked on this earth. Jesus spoke the word, and he taught the word, and he invited disciples to participate in what? Kingdom ministry. Jesus told them over and over again, I am about my Father's business. I am about his kingdom. And so that's what he taught his disciples. That's what he spoke to his disciples, and that's what he demonstrated to his disciples. And so Luke says, I was a previous witness to the words and works of Jesus Christ. But not only that, Luke says, I was a witness of the continuous words and works of Jesus. In other words, hey, that chapter ain't ended yet. (laughs) That chapter's still being written because Jesus Christ is alive. Luke picks up and acts where he left off in his gospel account. The words and works of Jesus. After the resurrection, just before the ascension. And we see in this passage that those words and those works 
will continue even when Jesus ascends into heaven. Jesus ain't done. The kingdom of God is still being built up. And that's what Jesus prepared his apostles for. He he prepared his apostles for God's kingdom ministry on earth. Luke tells us about the 40-day period. 40 days he was with his apostles. And he says, here's the purpose of those 40 days. Again, it's four words. The kingdom of God. That's what he taught. That's what he preached. We've already seen in the Gospels, and we'll see in the Acts what the kingdom of God is all about. And we will see our place in it, and we will see our purpose in it. Now, when I think about kingdom of God, uh, I I can't help but think about Dr. Tony Evans. I love Dr. Tony Evans. Uh, I think I've read just about every book he's written. Um, I love the way he speaks. I love the way he writes. And he's got a lot of books called Kingdom Disciple, you know, Kingdom Agenda, Kingdom Ministry. He's just got all of these kingdom books because he realizes that God's kingdom is really all that matters. Not yours, not mine, not ours. God's kingdom is all that matters. Listen to what Dr. Tony Evans says. He says, the Bible reveals that God has an agenda. And that agenda is the advancement of his kingdom right now. This is the unifying theme of all scripture. God's kingdom agenda is the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God in every area of life. Thus, the church exists. Listen to this now. The church exists to serve King Jesus and his ministry. That is his rule over every area of life. That is why I've said before, listen to me. The church ain't some cruise ship where you can get the best food and the the most comfortable pew. The church is a battleship. A battleship because we are out there waging war against the true enemy, Satan, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And the only weapon we need is this weapon right here, the Word of God. Because God's Word, right, became flesh. His name is Jesus. And God will give us His Word. And if we have Jesus, God also baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God. We got all we need right here. But we better make sure we understand who the church is, what the church is, and why the church is. Because so many churches today think it's all about us. Serve me. I deserve this. He don't belong. She don't belong. They don't belong because they hadn't cleaned up. They hadn't done this. They hadn't done that. You better look out. Because one of two things is going to happen. You either going to humble yourself or God's going to humble you. We need to know who we are. We need to know whose we are. We need to know why we are. And it ain't about me. And guess what? It ain't about you. It's about him. It's God's kingdom. Not yours. Not mine. It's God's kingdom. I'm just thankful for his grace, his mercy, and his love that he's invited me to be a part of it. Look at verses 4 through 8. Mm. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. 
Notice it doesn't say he gave them a good opinion. Notice it doesn't say he gave them something to think about. No, it says he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but oh, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him. Notice that they still not quite getting it. (laughs) They they still not quite tuned in, right? Because he tells them this, right? You're about to be baptized with the Holy Spirit instead of saying, thank you, God, amen. Look at the struggle. Right? The struggle between a heavenly mindset. You might, I bet you thought this was an accident that I brought up, set your minds. Uh-uh. Even the disciples who were the closest ones to Jesus, who were the ones with him in a 40-day period when he's been telling them about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. He tells them, you're about to be baptized with the Holy Spirit of God. Look at the very next verse. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, that ain't a heavenly mindset. That's a worldly mindset. Notice it doesn't say the kingdom for Israel. It says the kingdom to Israel. In other words, are you going to give back the kingdom to Israel? And look at his response. And I'm so thankful he loves them. I'm so thankful he didn't pull out the whip. He pulled out the word, which can sometimes whip us, can't it? Look at verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority. But here He is refocusing them, right? But, right? I still got something for you, boys. I'm just kind of making it my language. I still got something for you, boys. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. Look at that. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And boy, that would have stung their ears. Let me just tell you. Because Jews and Samaritans, (laughs) it's like oil and water. But Jesus said it. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What a powerful passage of Scripture. Now let's break it down. First and foremost, this will blow your mind. The gift of God is the promise of God who is the Holy Spirit of God. Let me say that again. The gift of God to you and to me is the promise of God to you and to me, who is the Holy Spirit of God. A lot of times when we think about gifts, we think about, oh God, give me some money so I can pay this bill. Oh God, you know, give me some health so I can walk up and down these steps. Oh God, give me this. Oh God, give me that. Oh God, give me this. Oh God, give me that. When's the last time you prayed for God to give you his presence? P-R-E-C, right? Or E S. E-N-C-E, not presence like P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, okay? I didn't win spelling bees, but they did call me the grammar king. 
So many times we want the presence of God, right? Instead of the presence of God. Notice that Jesus didn't promise them health, wealth, worldly success. He didn't promise them that. You know what he promised them? He promised them the gift of God, which was the promise of God, who is the Holy Spirit of God. That's what he gave them. Jesus told his apostles they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for baptized is baptizo. You know what that means? It means to fully immerse. To fully immerse. So just as John immersed believers in the water, right? They were covered, right? Fully covered by the water. Jesus said, you're going to get something even better. You're going to be fully immersed, right? Fully covered by the Holy Spirit of God. What a promise. What a gift. And as you can see, what a power. Because the Holy Spirit of God brings the power of God to his witnesses. How many of you have prayed for power in your life? Have you ever prayed that? All right, so that's what's wrong with our church. Because six people prayed for power of God, okay? So let's just stop right now. You and I need to wake up every day and pray for the power of God in our lives. Power of God to be the person God wants us to be in our home. The power of God to be the person God wants us to be in our workplace. The power of God to be the person God wants us to be in the meeting place called the church and out there in the community. We need to be praying that every day. God, give me your power. And do you know what you're praying when you say, God, give me your power? You're saying, God, give me your gift. Give me your promise. God, give me your spirit. Because there is no power. There is no power in your life or my life unless it comes through the Holy Spirit. That's it. The apostles, they didn't understand. They still had political thoughts, worldly thoughts, asking if Jesus was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. You know what that meant for them? Hey, Jesus, are you coming now as a fighter and you're going to throw Rome out of here? I'm telling you, that's what their mindset was. Make it easier for us, right? Make it easier for us to share the gospel. Then we won't have to worry about getting stoned or hung on a cross or lit up in flames by Nero. Do your research. Find out what was going on in Rome. They were looking for a literal kingdom right then and there. But Jesus, right? Jesus is king. (laughs) And the king tells them that there will be things they can know and there will be things they can't know. A couple of the things they can't know is the time. They can't know the time, right? When Jesus will come back. They, they can't know that. Jesus says, no, that's not for you to know. That's by his own authority. Jesus is telling them, hey, I don't even know that. That's by his authority. See, Jesus was still submitting as the son to God the Father, even though he was one with the Father. And so he gives them a command, and that command is wait for the gift. Wait for the promise. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And another thing he tells them, one thing they can know, is that, oh, you can know this. You're going to get power. He says, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So see, there's some things they can know, but there's some things they can't know. And you know what we get caught up with all the time? 
You know what we get caught up in all the time? We get caught up with the things we can't know. We get caught up and we struggle with the things we don't know. And we leave behind the things we do. We don't, we don't even open up the toolbox, right, that God gives us to operate in this life because we're thinking about the tools we don't have. Man, use the tools God gives you. And if God didn't give you a tool, it's because he don't want you doing that work. Let me say that again. If God didn't give you a tool, then that means he don't want you doing that work. God gives you the tools he wants you to use to do that work. But oh, that's what we do, don't we? We compare. And we focus on what we don't got instead of what we do. You see how Jesus is teaching? Huh? This ain't their kingdom. He ain't asking them to build the church kingdom. He ain't asking them to build Paul kingdom and Peter kingdom. He's saying, you better listen to me. This is the kingdom of God. And this is your place in it. And this is your purpose. I, I coached a bunch of, bunch of boys in my lifetime. I was one of those boys. And there were times in my life when I was coachable. Do you hear me? There were times in my life when I was coachable. What that means is, is I would not only just listen to what the coach said, I would actually try to do what the coach said. But there were also some times when I was not coachable. When I didn't have time to listen to what the coach said because I thought what I said was better. When I didn't want to try to do it the way the coach said to do it because I thought I could do it better. And I failed every time. Every time when I was uncoachable, I failed. I still struggle with that today. So what does Jesus do? Jesus defines, listen to me, Jesus defines the purpose and the place of his witnesses. He defines the purpose and the place of his witnesses. You might say, Brother Jeff, you know, God is leading me to plug in to start Baptist church. What do I do? Where do you want me? I'm going to tell you this. I don't, I, I'm not going to tell you where I want you. We're going to pray and say, what does God want for you? And where does God want you? What does God want for you? And where does God want you? Not what Brother Jeff wants. Jesus defines the purpose and the place. Look at what he does. He says, you will be my witnesses. There's the purpose, right? You will be my witnesses. Listen to me. If your testimony is more about you and less about Jesus, you need to restructure your testimony. Because it needs to be all about Jesus and what he has done to you, through you, and for you. If we get caught up in sharing this story and that story and this story and that story and maybe every once in a while we'll throw in one little verse or maybe every once in a while we'll say Jesus. I'm going to tell you, it needs to be more Jesus and less you. It needs to be more scripture and less story. I mean, what's the point of your testimony? Ask yourself that. What's the point of your communication with others? Is it to put you up on a pedestal in their heart? Or is it to put Jesus, Jesus up where he belongs in their heart? I I struggle with that. I do. I'm not up here casting stones, I promise you. I ain't got none in my pockets. I try to keep emptying them pockets every day. Let me just tell you, because I'm tempted to pick them stones up and get ready to throw them. So I just keep telling God, hey, keep doing this to me, God. Now, that looks kind of silly walking around like that. But every now and then, I'm checking my pockets, right? I'm checking my pockets, making sure. 
making sure that I ain't picked something up that I'm going to throw at somebody. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And look at the place. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You will be my witnesses in all Judea. All right? You will be my witnesses in Samaria. Wait, hold up, what? Samaria. You'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Rome. Greece. I mean, just keep going. And he reminds them, right? It's not for you to know the dates and the times. All you need to know is that the Spirit of God is going to baptize you, and you're going to have power. Power to do what? Power to be my witness. You will have the power of the Holy Spirit to know your purpose and to know your place. I'm going to tell you, we need that today, don't we? Because I think so many people are lost today. They don't know their purpose because they don't know who they are. They're searching everywhere. The bars, the ball fields, social media. They're searching in a spouse. They're searching in children. And they keep running up dry. Let me tell you why. Because there ain't but one way you can know who you are. And that's to know Jesus. So the Spirit, God says, will equip them and enable them to proclaim the gospel wherever He calls them to go. To proclaim the person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's their purpose and that's their place. And I'm going to tell you, that ain't changed today. That ain't changed today. That's still the truth for you and me right here, right now. If you want to know your place and you want to know your purpose, go to God's Word and listen to the Spirit. These final verses, it says in chapter chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. You think that was pretty amazing? I don't know about you, but that, 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 that sounds pretty amazing to me, right? He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly... Two men dressed in white stood beside them. So let's just get a picture, right? Jesus is talking to them. They're listening. All of a sudden, he starts floating. I don't even want to know what Simon the Zealot thought. But anyway, right? He starts floating. And I can just imagine they're looking at each other going, do you see this, man? I bet James and John and Peter are going, hey, y'all remember when we were on the Mount of Transfiguration? I can just imagine they're thinking, right? Glory. They see Jesus, right? He's rising up. He's talking to them. And all of a sudden, the cloud hides him, and he's gone. The Bible says they were just like, and they don't even notice. <laughs> There's two men standing by them, dressed in white, God's messengers. It says, as they were looking up intently into the sky as he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, and they spoke. Look at what they said, because this is so important. Verse 11 Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Why do you stand here after all you've seen and all you heard? Why are you standing here with your arms crossed looking up in the sky, feet planted firmly in the ground? Why are you standing here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now let's finish up 
Let's finish up what we've seen and heard already. Here's what I want you to see. This is an important passage. Verses 9 through 11 are just as important as verses 1 through 8. Because it's all about Jesus. So we know, right? We know our purpose. We will be His witnesses. We know our place. Our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, our world. So as witnesses, I want you to see this. As witnesses, we are not called to be spectators. To stand around and look up and watch. Feet planted on the ground. Hands on our mouth. I won't even go there. We're not called to be spectators. We are called to participate. To be participants in what God is doing, right? In His kingdom on earth. I love Pastor Tony Morita. Again, he's one of my favorite pastors. Listen to what he said. He said, one of the greatest gifts of Pentecost is that all believers can now speak for God's kingdom in God's kingdom. Listen to what he says. No believer is a mere fan anymore, but are players. Every Christian is a missionary, and we should ask ourselves these two questions. Where do I serve, and to whom do I minister? Where do I serve, and to whom do I minister? I'll go ahead and answer that. Wherever you are, whoever God puts in front of you. That's where you serve, and that's who you minister to. Wherever you are, whoever God puts in front of you. These two men that were standing there with them, they make them a a promise. And I'm going to tell you, when you see a promise in God's Word, guess what? It's going to come true. If Brother Jeff makes you a promise, good luck with that. But I have found when you make me a promise, good luck with that too. See, we let each other down all the time, but I'm going to tell you something. God's Word will never let you down. There ain't a promise in God's Word that He ain't kept. Find it. He keeps them. He's the promise keeper. So just as Jesus left in the clouds, what do they say? Jesus will return in the clouds. I'm going to tell you, this was a moment of glory. I'm just telling you, this, this was... They were filled with awe and wonder, right? Awestruck. They watched their Savior ascend. I believe this was visible exaltation, much like the transfiguration. We see that in Matthew chapter 17. But it was also a picture for the apostles so that they could know what it will look like when Jesus comes back. And Jesus has already told them how he would return. Matthew 26, verse 64. Not only that, John sees it, right? On the Isle of Patmos. He sees it. With his own eyes, he sees it in a vision that God gives him. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. I'm just doing that so you know I ain't making this up. Jesus left them in a cloud. But oh, Jesus is coming back in a cloud. And so what's the point of that, Brother Jeff? What's the point of that for me as a witness? What's the point of that for us as witnesses? What was the point of that for these apostles as witnesses? Well, I'll tell you, with the knowledge of Jesus Christ's return, we should witness right now, right now, and we should never stop. We should witness to a dying and lost world before it is too late. That's what it means. 
It means, hey, disciples, stop looking at the sky. He gone. Start remembering what he said. In a couple of days, you're going to get baptized with the Holy Spirit of God. You need to get ready. You need to pick your feet up and get where God told you to be. And you need to be ready for what God's going to do. Because you ain't fans no more. You are players. I, I don't want you standing around looking and, 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 you know, just getting caught up. I want you to be vessels. Right? Don't just get caught up in God's glory. Be vessels of His glory. Don't just sit around and spectate. Participate. I'm going to tell you what. I thank God I'm at a church where people plug in and serve. I'm so thankful that I don't have to be in charge of this ministry team or in charge of that ministry team or tell this ministry team what to do or tell this ministry team what to do. Man, plug in, read God's Word, and let's get to work. And let's do it together. Let me tell you what Jesus says to me, what Jesus says to you. Jesus still says to us today, you will be my witnesses. Listen to me. If you truly have surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, he is your king, and you're not putting your finger in his face telling him what you're going to do, you're on your knees, heart bent, knees bent, saying, oh, Lord, here I am. You tell me what to do, when to do it, how to do it and where to do it. Jesus is still telling you and telling me today, you will be my witnesses. And as witnesses, our words and our works that Christ does in us and through us will tell others about him. It'll tell others about Jesus, what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do. Some of you might have gone to see a movie recently called Jesus Revolution based on a a revival that took place many years ago. What's funny is, is I've been listening to Pastor Greg Laurie preach and teach a long time. I, I, I love to hear him preach. He's fired up, he's passionate, and he preaches and he points to the Word of God. He points to Jesus Christ as the only way to be saved. Nothing else, no one else. I couldn't help but think about what he preached in one of his sermons, about what it means to be a Christ follower what it means to be an ambassador of Christ, what it means to be a jar of clay filled with a valuable treasure, what it means, right, to be a witness. Listen to what Pastor Greg Laurie said. Harvest Church is where he pastors. He says, it's a daunting task to think of going into all the world and preaching the gospel, especially hard places. But how about this? Go into all your world and preach the gospel. You may not have to cross an ocean, even though you might. You may simply have to cross your street. Whoo! <laughs> Think about that for just a minute. Man, we get so scared about calling us to be a missionary in Nicaragua. Or God calling us, right, to go way over there, way out there, when the whole time we've been missing it, God said, hey, just take ten steps right across the road and knock on your neighbor's door. Because they need to hear Jesus and see Jesus. And you are my witness. You are my vessel. So what do we do? What do we do with this message? What, what, if, what if Acts was just one chapter and 11 verses? <laughs> Let me tell you something. It'd be enough. It'd be enough. Do you hear me? 
Now, we got a lot more chapters and a lot more verses, and I love the book of Acts. But if all we had was Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, it'd be enough. It'd be enough. Because you know your place, and you know your purpose, and you know your power. Do you need anything else? I mean, really. If you are immersed by the Holy Spirit of God, do you need anything else? Do you need Brother Jeff to hold your hand? Do, do, do you need your Sunday school teacher, right, to keep feeding you the medicine? No, 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 no. If you have Jesus Christ and you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit of God, then you've got all you need to be his witness. Now, thank God for pastors. Thank God for teachers. Thank God for disciple groups. Thank God for bands of brothers and bands of sisters who come together and pour truth into each other. But the Spirit of God, right? If you ain't got the Spirit of God, nothing else matters. I don't care how many Bible studies you go to at the fire department, at the lunch line, wherever, right? I don't care how many Bible studies you go to. If you ain't got the Spirit, you ain't got the power. Find the Word. Find the Word that tells me I'm wrong. If you ain't got the Spirit, you ain't got the power. It ain't about how many years you've been a member of the church or how many Bible studies you're involved in or how many is in your room or not in your room. All that matters is, have I surrendered to Jesus? Am I his witness? Because he promised me that the Spirit of God would baptize me and I would have all the power I need to go where he wants me to go and say what he wants me to say. I mean, I'm just telling you, that's what it says right here. So what do we do now? Here's what we do. We do what he said. Number one, we do what he said. James chapter 1 verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. You know what he says? Do what it says. Do what it says. We got so many people digging into the Bible, but we don't have enough people in the Bible digging into them. I'm going to let that sit and simmer. We do what he said. And then finally, we do what he did. We do what he did. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as he lived. So instead of looking at someone in sin and saying, you can't come here until maybe we ought to do what Jesus did and go put our hands on them and pray over them and love them, have a conversation with them, and then we can point them to the truth of God's word where Jesus said, now go and sin no more. It's like we want to punish people rather than love them. And I'm going to be honest with you, I ain't been called to be no punisher. That's not what I've been called to do. And I'll leave if somebody tells me that's my job, because it ain't. My job is to preach Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his victorious resurrection, and to love people like Jesus loved people. And let the Spirit of God change a heart. Because Brother Jeff can't change no heart. And neither can you. You can't bash people to believe. You can't condemn people to believe. You know what you can do? You can be a vessel of God's grace and God's love and God's mercy that he has shown you and me to someone else. And then let the Spirit of God, right? The power of the Holy Spirit on you and through you do his work. Because I ain't here to build my kingdom. I ain't going to lie to you. I love it when I see this place packed. I do. But I can get caught up in that and start going, oh, Jeff, man. Yeah, keep it up, Jeff. And it'll fall apart tomorrow. It'll fall apart tomorrow. We are called to be his witnesses. 
We are called to go where He tells us to go. And we are called to be ready. Be ready. God will give you an opportunity. God will give you an audience. What are you going to do? I hope you do what He says. And I hope you do what He did. Amen? Start with me, God. Start with me. You called me to lead. You called me to set an example. Oh, God, help me. Because I can't do this without you. That's my prayer. What's your prayer today?